from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit slash hypergig with details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about a dangerous time during post-war reconstruction when a U.S. president made a bold move to protect black Americans and their supporters from the barbarity of the Ku Klux Klan. The day was October 17, 1871. President Grant declared martial law and suspended the writ of habeas corpus in nine South Carolina counties where KKK activity was rampant. He took that extreme measure to ensure that once the Klansmen were arrested and jailed, they couldn't be set free by legislators who shared their hateful views. Grant's suspension of habeas corpus was incredibly controversial at the time and legal scholars continue to debate its constitutionality to this day. However, the effectiveness of the action is much less disputed. Thousands of Klansmen were arrested, and countless African Americans were spared from further acts of violence. The Latin term habeas corpus literally means show me the body. It's generally used in reference to a legal principle meant to safeguard against unlawful and indefinite imprisonment. Beginning around the 14th century, 
English common law allowed prisoners to challenge their incarceration if they believed they were being unlawfully detained. When this common law right was invoked, civil authorities were required to bring the prisoner before the court for trial to determine if their detention was lawful. The writ of habeas corpus became official law in Britain in the 1600s and was later enshrined in U.S. law as Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution. The framers clearly understood the need to protect personal liberty against abuses of power, but they also recognized that habeas corpus could itself be abused in certain situations. For that reason, they included a kind of escape clause, declaring that a prisoner's right to petition for release cannot be suspended except in cases of rebellion or invasion, when the public safety may require it. That clause has only been invoked a handful of times in U.S. history, and one of the earliest and most notable cases was on this day in 1871. Following the Union's victory in the American Civil War, efforts were taken to extend legal protections to formerly enslaved black citizens. One way that Congress tried to do this was through the passage of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the so-called Reconstruction Amendments. These important initiatives abolished slavery, granted citizenship to any person born in the U.S., and gave black Americans the right to vote. However, some citizens and lawmakers, especially in the South, refused to recognize these constitutional rights. The staunchest opposition came from members of the Ku Klux Klan, a secret vigilante group founded in 1865 by former officers of the Confederate Army. The group terrorized black citizens and their allies in an effort to undermine Reconstruction and re-establish black subservience in the South. But despite the group's egregious acts of intimidation and violence, the existing laws of the land were all but powerless to stop them. Some state officials tried to bring charges against the Klansmen, but were swiftly intimidated into silence. Federal prosecution was also ruled out as the government's jurisdiction didn't extend to state-level outbreaks of violence. President Grant was made aware of these shortcomings as soon as he took office in 1869. Letters poured in from the South, describing the dire situation and pleading for federal support. One especially fervent letter came from Mrs. S. E. Lane of South Carolina. She told Grant, quote, Sir, we are in terror from Ku Klux threats and outrages. There is neither law nor justice in our midst. Our nearest neighbor, a prominent Republican, now lies dead, murdered by a disguised ruffian band, which attacked his house at midnight a few nights since. His wife was also murdered. She was buried yesterday, and a daughter is lying dangerously ill from a gunshot wound. Grant knew he had to do something or else the country would slip right back into civil war, if it hadn't already. With that grim notion in mind, he implored Congress to write new laws that would empower the federal government to deal with rampaging Klansmen. After much debate, Congress eventually obliged, passing three Enforcement Acts aimed at suppressing white supremacist violence. The first law, enacted in May of 1870, banned voter discrimination, including the use of terror to discourage black citizens from voting. The second act became law in April of 1871. It placed national elections under the control of the federal government and empowered federal judges and U.S. marshals to supervise local polling places, 
The Third Enforcement Act, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act, was approved by Congress in April of 1871. It broadened President Grant's powers to enforce the first two laws by making it a federal crime to deprive American citizens of their civil rights through racial terrorism. This empowered the president to mobilize armed forces and suspend habeas corpus in response to the KKK's violence and intimidation. Grant finally had the power to act on his own initiative, but he still hoped he wouldn't have to use it. After signing the act into law, he said, quote, It is my earnest wish that peace and cheerful obedience to law may prevail throughout the land, and that all traces of our late unhappy civil strife may be speedily removed. Unfortunately, that turned out to be wishful thinking, as the legislation did little to deter the Klansmen. Desperate letters continued to arrive from all across the South, pleading for presidential protection. The epicenter of the violence seemed to be South Carolina, which had been the first state to secede from the Union. Grant dispatched Attorney General Amos Ackerman and Army Major Lewis Merrill to investigate the claims. Their subsequent findings were worse than he had even imagined. In one county alone, they found evidence of 11 murders and more than 600 whippings and other assaults. Ackerman implored Grant to intervene, describing South Carolina as, quote, under the domination of systematic and organized depravity, a carnival of crime not paralleled in the history of any civilized community. Grant responded to Ackerman's report by issuing a warning to nine South Carolina counties with extreme levels of Klan activity. He ordered those responsible for the chaos to surrender all weapons, uniforms, and disguises, and to return to their homes immediately. He gave them five days to comply, but as expected, his warning was ignored. And so, on October 17, 1871, President Grant declared martial law and suspended the writ of habeas corpus within those nine South Carolina counties. Federal forces immediately began rounding up KKK members and other instigators of racial violence. And because habeas corpus had been suspended, those arrested were not taken before a judge or given a trial. Instead, they were taken straight to jail, where they would be held indefinitely without bail. Many wealthy and well-connected Klansmen fled into hiding, but by December of that year, Attorney General Ackerman had successfully indicted 3,000 members of the KKK, 600 of whom were eventually tried and convicted of crimes. Many of the others were given plea bargains in exchange for information deemed detrimental to the Klan. In the short term, these efforts greatly reduced racial terrorism in South Carolina, ensuring that the elections of 1872 were free and fair and allowing black citizens to rest easy however briefly. In the decades that followed, African Americans continued to be targeted throughout the South, not only by vestiges of the Ku Klux Klan, but by racist policies that sought to disenfranchise and segregate them. President Grant's action disrupted Klan activity for a time, but the hatred at the heart of the group found new, more insidious ways to assert itself, just as it still does today. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way 
at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process with superior materials craftsmanship best-in-class warranty morton buildings are made to last for generations at morton the difference is in the details from their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field they are dedicated to surpassing expectations their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years and morton buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 